Welcome to At The Table, the podcast for the SBC Women's Leadership Network. Join the conversations of a collaborative community of women from the Southern Baptist Convention family who long to connect, engage, and encourage one another as they serve and lead in diverse ways to impact the kingdom of God. Pull up a chair, grab your favorite drink, and listen in on what God is doing through women of the SBC. everybody and welcome to another episode of At The Table. My name is Jackie King and I love that you are joining us for another conversation of women and leadership and how everyone is serving in the SBC. I have a super special treat today with my guest, Donna Gaines. She is coming all the way from Memphis, Tennessee. Welcome to the show, Donna. Thank you, Jackie. Glad to be here. I have really been waiting to have you on. I have been able to kind of watch you from afar over the years and then just recently getting to uh, interact with you a little bit more through the SBC Women's Leadership Network. And so I am just really excited to dig into our conversation and learn so much from you today. So thank you for joining us. Well, certainly. Can you tell me a little bit just about growing up, just a little bit about you, your family, where you're from, just the get to know you kind of questions? I am actually from Memphis, which is a lot of fun to be serving in my hometown. I grew up in Memphis. My parents are both believers. I actually grew up in a Southern Baptist church, was saved at nine, felt called into the ministry at 12. And Jackie, you may appreciate this. At that stage and time in SBC, I assumed my only option as a woman was foreign missions. (laughs) So I thought that was the path I was headed to. I also have an aunt and uncle that were missionaries in Taiwan. So missions was always a part of my life. Mm. Um, It wasn't until I went to Union University, a Southern Baptist college, and met my husband that God broadened my horizons and opened the door as a pastor's wife. (laughs) And so that's what I've been doing now for almost 39 years. Very cool. You are too young to be doing this for 39 years. You (laughs) have started really, really young then. (laughs) Can I ask you just a little bit, what did that call look like on your life, especially so early at 12? How did that kind of look and come about um, just within your walk in the Lord? You know, I was in a very active church. I grew up very involved. I was a GA. And like I said, I had an aunt and uncle that were missionaries. And I just knew I wanted more out of life than the status quo. That's just Mm -hmm. always been the cry of my heart. And it was an overwhelming sense, even at the age of 12, that the Lord wanted me to dedicate my life to ministry. And I've been so grateful for that call. I love that. So you met um, Steve, right, at Union University. So tell us a little bit about just kind of (laughs) starting out in marriage and becoming a pastor's wife. That obviously wasn't on your radar at the time. Uh, So what did that look like for you guys? It's kind of funny because my former pastor was actually serving as interim pastor at Steve's home church when he felt called to the ministry. And he left football playing at UT Martin to transfer to Union to take Bible classes to prepare for seminary. And Dr. A.G., after he met Steve, came back and told me at Union, I've met your husband. Oh, (laughs) really? (laughs) And he told Steve the same thing. Well, it was about a year before we actually went out on a date. We just watched each other. (laughs) But it wasn't long after we went out that we knew the Lord had brought us together. And like I said, I had not considered anything outside of missions. And so Mm -hmm. praying through the possibility of being a pastor's wife, because honestly, I felt like I didn't qualify. I don't sing and I don't play the piano. Yes, (laughs) preach. Oh, my goodness. Yes, that was a big hang up for me, too. Stereotype, you know. Um, And it was after I became a pastor's wife. We moved to Fort Worth, Texas for him to attend Southwestern Seminary. I actually did my master's there at Texas Women's University in education. Um, And I started dealing with 
incredible fear of speaking in front of adults, so much so that I would literally almost have a panic attack, like heart Mm. pounding, can't breathe kind of panic attacks. So I just Mm. quit doing it. I was an elementary ed major. I just thought, hey, Lord, maybe you've just called me to do kids. But as we all know, the Lord will not leave us in our comfort zone or our uncomfortable zone, whatever (laughs) it may be. And he began to just impress upon me that it you know, fear was disobedient because faith and fear cannot coexist. And yeah. and I realized after having a, a mentor pray with me and work through this, that the root of that, Jackie, was pride. That because I didn't feel like I measured up as a pastor's wife, I had put unrealistic expectations on myself mm-hmm. and caring more about what people thought than about what the Lord thought. And once the Lord opened my eyes to that, it's like those chains of fear just fell off. Yeah. Well, um, I don't know if you uh, have been reading my mail, but that is definitely something (laughs) (laughs) um, that I think so many of us, and not even just pastor's wives. I know that we have that, obviously. Um, But I think just women in leadership and anybody that's kind of out in the front and that is open to criticism, obviously, and trying to lead a group of people, um, that fear of man issue is just something that God is constantly having to wrestle out of my heart, for sure. So maybe even... um, Um, What has kind of been the biggest thing that has helped you in those seasons of really trying to kind of making sure that your heart is centered on Jesus? Right. Well, just learning to take thoughts captive, like 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5 talks about to the obedience of Christ and recognizing that those fiery darts of the evil one are discouragement and distraction and fear and anxiety. That's not from the Lord. Um, Mm -hmm. 2 Timothy 1, 7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear. Shows us right there. It's a demonic spirit but he's given us power and love and a sound mind. So I would refute the lie with the truth. And it was about the time I was working through this, I was listening to a Christian radio station and a woman was being interviewed and I wish I knew who she was, I I don't remember, but she just made this statement. She said, basically you have five seconds to deal with a thought or it will deal with you. And Hmm. I found that to be so true that if I didn't refuse the fearful thought or the anxious thought, it took grip and then I had a harder time getting rid of it. But if I refused it immediately and instead replaced it with the truth of God's word, it lost its hold. And I can Mm -hmm. tell you, Jackie, at first it was difficult. You know, I had to really kind of struggle to do that. Now it's like second nature. I don't even think about it. I immediately deflect them. Hmm. That's a good challenge and just super practical. Yes, I mean, all of us, I think, can totally uh, try to practice that, you know, like whatever's coming into our minds, five seconds. Um, That's right. and, and then <laughs> I think a big Christ? challenge. Yes. Is it from yeah. the Lord? If not, refuse it. Right. And well, and even just listening to you talk and all of the scripture that is just oozing out of you, I think, again, the other side of that challenge would be <laughs> get in your Bible That's right. um, to know the word, to know yes. the truth so that you're able to refute some of those lies. That's so right. that's the really good. The sword of the spirit. And we need to learn to wield our sword well. Mm, good challenge there. Okay. All right. So that is just great already within the first eight <laughs> minutes of our podcast recording here. Um, so one of the things that I really want to just pick your brain about is this program that was birthed within your heart, yes. the Arise to Read. So tell the listeners a little bit about just kind of what that is and then even how did it start? Like what brought it so, up in your heart and soul and how did it come to fruition? Well, obviously, being an educator and background, um, I'm sure that was part of it. But I'd actually been going into the city and tutoring in one of our poorest areas for about four years. I took some high school girls. One of them was my niece and some of her friends with me. And every Tuesday afternoon, we tutored in Binghampton. But I realized we were just scratching the surface and barely 
touching such a small number of students. And I was literally just praying over the city one day. And that particular summer, I had read Wes Stafford, the former CEO of Compassion International. He wrote a book called Too Small to Ignore. And I'd read that book that summer, and he really challenged me because he said, if we're going to break the generational poverty cycle, it's going to take the gospel and education. And he said, it doesn't matter if it's a third world country or the inner city, it's the Mm -hmm. gospel and education. So all of that was going through my mind as I was praying. And Jackie, it was one of those few times in my life when I just felt overwhelmed by the Spirit of the Lord. And the words impressed upon my heart were, this is your city, these are your children, Mm-hmm. What are you doing about it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, yeah. I literally rocked back on my heels. I kneel at an ottoman, usually in front of the chair where I read my Bible and, and spend time in prayer. And I literally rocked back on my heels and said out loud, Lord, I don't know. It feels really overwhelming. I don't even know where to start. Yeah. So I called one of the women on staff who had been our liaison with schools because we'd been doing a lot of um, ministry in the city through what we call Bellevue Loves Memphis, their quarterly missions projects, where we literally go into the city. We'd worked with schools and inner city churches. And so I asked Sarah, I said, Sarah, just call and and let them know. We feel like we're supposed to recruit churches to adopt inner city schools. I just knew the church needed to be motivated to take responsibility for the children of our city. Mm -hmm. And when she called, the volunteer coordinator said, you're not going to believe this. My mandate from the board this year is to increase the number of faith-based organizations that adopt schools. Yeah. And Jackie, all I can tell you is it has been one open door after another just like that. And, you know, I would just encourage anyone, when God calls, God provides, and He also goes before you. He orders your steps. He opens doors that no man can close. Mm -hmm. And He has continued to open doors. We uh, became a nonprofit in 2015. And because we just began to grow and we needed donors, and um, we currently now have 15 employees, a full-time executive director and development director. And you know, I could give you God story after God story. Let me just tell you about the executive director. <laughs> yes. Um, she and her husband, uh, two years ago this February, just felt led to come and visit Bellevue. They'd been plugged in someplace else, but God had been kind of stirring that he was getting ready to move them. And her husband just said, I, I want to go visit visit Bellevue. And so they came to visit. My husband's an expository preacher, and they, they loved that. And, and, and her husband just said, I think this may be where we're supposed to be. So the second Sunday, they came back to meet Steve and myself at guest reception. Well, and as sometimes happens, somebody grabs Steve to ask him a question. So I'm left here with this couple I don't know. And so what do you do? You say, well, what do you do? Yeah, <laughs> you just tell me about you. <laughs> That's right. Start a conversation. <laughs> well, come to find out she was teaching in the inner city. She teaches at one of the schools where we do a rise to read. And then her husband interjects and says, she's not going to tell you this, but she was Tennessee Teacher of the Year in 2015. Well, her passion matched my passion. And all I can tell you is I feel like my spirit was doing backflips because I thought, Lord, (laughs) we had been praying for almost a year for a full-time executive director. Mm -hmm. And I felt so strongly that we were not to advertise for that position because it was so unique that the Lord was going to need to bring us that person. It doesn't mean he can't do that if you advertise. I'm not saying that, but I just knew for us, this was what the Lord was impressing. And I mean, I knew immediately this, you've brought her this. This is she's standing before me. I was yeah. so excited. Well, I waited about six months because I didn't. I want to scare her to death. <laughs> but as she got to know us, they got involved in the church, and she saw the ministry. 
you know, then I just said, you know, would you pray about this? And yeah. so she left the classroom to join us a year ago this past January. And I could not have written her resume. I don't know that I would have written it this well because um, she had been a banker for 14 years before the Lord called her into education. She mm. got her master's in education, had been in the inner city for 15 years. Wow. So just incredible experience. And she's doing such a fabulous job. We're in 34 schools now in Shelby County overseeing over 1,200 volunteers and doing training we're in nine different states, uh, working on webinars and virtual training and all kinds of things to help people grasp this very simple principle of teaching children through the Fry Sight Word list and helping them get on third grade because mm -hmm. children in poverty who are reading proficiently by the end of third grade have an 89% graduation rate. Wow. And that's yeah. what we're going for. Well, and talk to us a little bit as I was going over the website, Arise to the number two read. Right. Um, so as I was kind of looking through the website and just the process that you guys yes. um, have set up, the poverty just within Memphis oh. alone, can you talk to us a little bit about that and yes. how you've even maybe seen God and some of those God stories, like share some of those of how you've just seen interjecting into some of the deepest and hardest sections of your city and how you've seen God bring life to that. Yes, he really is. Our pilot school is Treadwell Elementary, and they were um, an I-zone school, which is the bottom of the bottom. The priority schools in the state of Tennessee are the lowest 5%. So they were a priority school, but they were the bottom of the priority schools. So we already had a relationship with that school. We began there. The principal was was thrilled with us coming on board. And Jackie, it has been unbelievable what the Lord has done there. The children's overall reading scores, the children are pre-testing higher coming into second grade. Mm -hmm. Every year it's getting better. A whole culture of literacy is just permeating the school now. They were taken off of the priority list. They're no longer an I-Zone school as of last year. They just made tremendous tremendous, tremendous progress. And we are so thrilled. Other schools are doing the same thing. But I can tell you, Jackie, they're the change in the children, the change in the classroom, the behavior problems are going down, but it's also changing the volunteers mm -hmm. because once these volunteers get in the classroom and they meet these children, they fall in love with them. And not only that, they recognize that the numbers and the statistics they hear when they watch the news now have names and faces. Yeah. And now they're fighting for these children. Right. And other ministries flow out of it. And it moves my heart right now. I've, I've gotten to know a precious single mother that um, I've known now for um, almost two years. And in the time that we've known each other, the Lord has saved her, saved her three oldest children. They're now members of Bellevue. She's gotten a job at FedEx. And we were praying for her to get a job at FedEx because it's such a wonderful company in Memphis. And they, once you get a job there, you get full benefits. They'll pay for you to go to college. It's just the benefits are tremendous. Mm -hmm. And so we had been praying. She had gone out to a job fair. She had filled out applications. She'd heard nothing. And literally last October, I was walking into our church on a Wednesday night and a woman approached me, handed me her business card and said, I just felt led to give you my business card. I've worked for FedEx for about 30 years and I love to help single mothers get jobs. Oh my FedEx. goodness. Of course my mouth fell off. But I said, <laughs> no, you don't. I said, we've been praying. And I, so I started telling her about my sweet friend, Tyranny. And um, she said, have her call me. I'll have her a job in two weeks. And she did. Hmm. And so it's just story after story like that of getting to know people and realizing, Jackie, if I'd been born into Tyranny's situation, her story would be my story. Yeah, absolutely. And so I'm responsible for coming alongside her and helping her have the tools she needs to be the woman and the mother 
that God has called her to be. Mm-hmm. And I have been blessed in the process. Yeah. I was watching one of the videos of um, a gentleman that was working with the program. Is that the best? I know. I mean, I'm literally like crying as I'm just watching video after video. So I really do want to encourage you. Y'all have got to check out this ministry. It's just so amazing. Um, And he's just this sweet grandpa looking man, you know, and he even at the beginning of his testimony was talking about how intimidated he was to go into Mm -hmm. an inner city school. He's this white grandpa, you know, Um, and just his story of being able to talk about how much it changed his life and his heart. And you think of those kids, you know, that don't maybe have grandmas and grandpas and that don't have that intentional one-on-one time. And you're literally, I mean, I know you do so much more, but just simplistically, like you're taking them through a list of words, you know, and knowing their name and Mm -hmm. asking how their day is. And I think that is so simple and something that everyone, literally everyone can do. You know, there's not this big line of you have to exegete passages or do an apologetic or anything. It's literally sitting side by side of a child and going through a list of words and saying, I see you. Um, And and just even in your story now of how you're coming alongside a single mom and saying, I see you. So it's just, it's so beautiful. I just love... And if you saw the video, you saw the relationship between Larry and the two boys Mm -hmm. that he coached. And you realize how precious that is. And those children, many of them, do not have an adult that follows through and is responsible. Or if they have an adult that's responsible, they may be working two jobs. And so they don't have that one-on-one, face-to-face relationship Mm -hmm. with someone who believes in them, gives them their undivided attention, and is cheering them on. Yeah. And we just watched these children blossom. And as you saw, those two children knocked it out. I mean, our goal is to get the children on third grade level, which is somewhere in the 300s on that vocabulary list of a thousand words. We also work on comprehension. But those boys, one of them accomplished all 1,000 and one of them went over 900. So oh my goodness. they just wow. knocked the ball out of the park. And that yeah. shows you the potential these children have if they just have someone to work with them. Yeah. It's just a little bit of a sacrifice of time and then one just getting over that fear. That's yeah. it. One hour a week. And I we're also it. trying to put Bible clubs on the campuses. We use Child Evangelism Fellowship and their Good News Bible Clubs and also Beach Club, whichever the church or adopter chooses to use. And we get to know churches in the community as well so that you have a church to refer a family to Mm -hmm. when they're in crisis or they have a need. And we also like to get volunteers from that local church to work in the Bible club. And that way gives us connection with the families and the children. If they don't have a Bible, they're given a Bible. They memorize scripture, learn Bible stories, sing songs, play games, get a snack. It's, It's just a wonderful opportunity to really take the gospel into a community. So good. So I'm kind of curious, especially just how long had um, you and Dr. Gaines been in Memphis before this program started? Do you remember? We came in 05 and the program started in 2012. Okay. So you have just done like a long stint there. I I shouldn't say long like that, but you know, you're putting in your days, you know, in blood, sweat and tears and just seeing how your ministry there has evolved. Like, obviously you didn't go to Memphis and think immediately, okay, we're going to start a reading program (laughs) in our schools, (laughs) you know, with all of our churches. So what are some of the leadership lessons kind of looking back, if you will, that maybe you weren't prepped for or you didn't even know was really going to be on the table that you had to kind of grow into? Oh, I know nothing about business. So (laughs) here I am founding a nonprofit and having to raise money and how to 
had to learn how to write grants. I mean, I didn't know how to do any of these things. And the Lord just provided people to come alongside me and all of our volunteers. We were completely an all-volunteer team, obviously, starting out. Mm -hmm. But I sat at the table one day just with my mouth open, looking around the table. And I told all of them, all of you are so highly overqualified for your volunteer position. You know, I have retired principals and a former uh, electrical engineer and all these highly educated women sitting around the table with me, volunteering their time because they believe that the Lord had called them to go into the city and take the gospel and education to children who otherwise are trapped in poverty. And if children are not reading proficiently by the end of fourth grade, Jackie, two-thirds of those will end up either on welfare or in prison. Hmm. 75% wow. of the crimes committed in the United States are committed by dropouts. Wow. So if we don't get them early and teach them how to read so that they graduate from high school and can get a job or go on and get secondary education, we are trapping them in poverty and possibly crime. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, you can't not, there's no way to exactly. ignore that statistic. No. I mean, <laughs> no, but I, I, I do want to encourage people pray. If God calls you step out in obedience, the Lord didn't give me the light for five years down the road. He gave me enough light for the next step, which is what he always does. Yes. But he also gives you provision for that. And the yeah. Lord brought people on board, businessmen on board to help us with recruiting businesses and donors. Um, and God's just granted favor. And mm -hmm. even as I shared about the hiring of our executive director, listening to the Holy Spirit, I just marvel at how uniquely He gifts each one of us. And if we allow Him to put our team together, oh my, yeah. <laughs> there's no end to what He can do. He really mm -hmm. has Ephesians 3.20'd everything that we've done. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that phrase. Um, well, and I think there's so much of just, it starts with being tender to yes. those statistics and the spirit. You know, right. you said earlier that you just felt this weight of the spirit, like, what are you going to do? And right. I think so many times, especially as women, we want the plan laid out yes. before we actually step out. <laughs> and I think a lot of that even goes back to what you're talking about at the very beginning of the, the interview with, um, our fear, you know, like right. we want to make sure it succeeds. And so we've got to Certainly. make sure that everything is mapped out and there's so much in just obedience of, right. I'm not going to ignore the statistic. I'm not just going to let it be something that is black and white on a piece of paper. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to own it. I'm going to ask God, where is my part in this? And right. how do I help be the gospel to that statistic? Right. And but, so Jackie, I can tell you now, I have ch four children, grown children, and grandchildren, 13 of them, two more on the way. Oh um, in fact, we'll have 15 <laughs> in October and 12 of the 15 will be six and under. So that tells you a little bit about my house when everybody's here. It is wild and loud, but it is so much fun. Um, but I think about them. I would do whatever I had to do to make sure they did not go to bed hungry and they had everything they needed for mm -hmm. school and to yeah. succeed. So I know these parents want to do the same thing, but so many of them know nothing else. And until we come alongside them and let them know, not only does Jesus Christ love them, but we have to show them that they can read, they can succeed. And once they get some success under their belt, they blossom, they flourish. We see them just take off. It's just amazing. But if they can't read, they can never read God's word for themselves. Mm -hmm. Right. 
Right. Yeah. Well, and you're just giving them so many tools yeah. for life, right? Um, but then ultimately pairing that with the gospel and, and the hope of the gospel is so life-changing for anybody and everybody on the planet. It doesn't right. matter where you're born or what family you're born into. So, so good. Okay. I want to shift gears just real quick in our final time together. You are the president of the board of the um, annual meeting each summer, right? Um, for the Pastor's Wives Monday morning. Um, what is is it a conference or just kind of well, gathering? Well, it's a part of the pastor's conference. We right, just call right. it the pastor's wife's session. Session, that, okay. Yes, that morning from 9 to 11.30. And honestly, it was birthed in 2005, a couple of years prior to that. But we actually started in 05. But Jackie, I was seeing women that we'd been in seminary with, uh, people we'd known in ministry, women who were burning out mm-hmm. and some who were literally just walking out on their husbands, their children, and the ministry, Mm -hmm. and my heart was broken. And I'm thinking, we come together once a year at an annual convention, and we're all there with our smiles on our face. How many of these women are just barely keeping their heads above water? But if they connect with another pastor's wife who would pray with them and talk with them, and they could understand the basic discouragements and the things that they're facing, we all face. It doesn't matter what size church you're in. We're all on the front lines. We all face the same things. So if we could have a time to come together that's not as time-constrained as the luncheon is, where women could have time around a table to talk and connect, to exchange emails and cell phone numbers, um, that that could be a lifeline for them. Hmm. So that's really how and why it was birthed. And so we put together a board, kind of a self-perpetuating board, and we began in 05, and we raised the funds so that it doesn't cost the women anything, and we offer it during the pastor's conference. And this year, we're expanding it. Um, along with you know SBC Women, we recognize God is opening doors and avenues of service for women all across the convention. Hmm. So we're calling it the SBC Women's Session on Monday morning, and we want to include all women who are serving in ministry across the board. I love that. Goodness. Okay, so tell me, let's back up a little bit. And um, because again, I can resonate so much with just that (laughs) burnout and um, wanting to connect together. And I think specifically, even for pastor's wives, um, we kind of believe the lie that everybody else gets community in the church, but us, you know, like we're other. Mm -hmm. Um, So what have you kind of seen come out of just that intentional time together to where they're able to connect with other women and those kind of things? What have you you seen over the years? We get stories every year. People will stop me at the convention and say, let me tell you what happened. You know, Monday morning, the Lord just happened to sit me at the table with, (laughs) you know, somebody who lives 20 minutes away from me or somebody whose son is struggling the same way my son is struggling. And Mm -hmm. thank you so much for offering this. And we just encourage women, connect. I connected with a sweet friend when our husbands were in seminary and we were actually invited over to one of our professor's homes for dinner one night. She and I were happened to be sitting across the table from each (laughs) other and connected. And Diane and I have been dear friends ever since. And when we were going through tough times in ministry, she's a pastor's wife. I'm a pastor's wife. Her husband's now a professor in one of our seminaries. But I could call her. And I know you're young. It's hard for you to remember a time when long distance actually cost something. (laughs) I do remember that. Home phones and long distance (laughs) were a thing. And we would get our phone bill some months and Steve would look at the long distance and shake his head and say, Donna. And I would just say, it's cheaper than counseling. That's right. That's right. (laughs) And he, and he he never got upset. So 
we stayed connected and it was there's something healthy too. I have friendships, close friendships in our church, but there's something about having another pastor's wife that's not in your church mm-hmm. that you can share with, that knows you, that you can be honest with, but that always points you back to the scripture. Yeah. It's always going to point you back to the Lord. Absolutely. And so now with this shift of you guys opening it up to all women in ministry, obviously there's a big invite for any of y'all that are listening and going to be in Birmingham this summer. And we would love for you to join us on Monday morning. So can you maybe kind of cast the vision of what that time is going to look like together and what's going to happen? Certainly. We have a wonderful time of worship. Um, and Kristen Yeldell and her husband, Eric, have been leading us for the last several years. They do an absolutely tremendous job. We're thrilled. We have Noreen Brunson as one of our guest speakers this year, mm-hmm. the wife of Andrew Brunson, who was imprisoned in Turkey. Mm-hmm. And Lori McDaniel is also going to be speaking. She's one of our IMB immobilizers. And we'll have a panel that's going to be led by Kathy Litton. They'll be discussing leadership and discipleship. Candy Gallaudy, uh, pastor's wife and disciple maker, Amy Whitfield, uh, Seth Eastern, also one of our parliamentarians for the SBC, Missy Branch, who also serves at Southeastern, and Ashlyn Portero, who's an executive director serving at City Church in Tallahassee, will all be on this panel. And during that time, there will be some discussion around the table. The women will have time to pray together and connect with other women. So we're just real excited about this opportunity. So good. So are there tickets or how do people, no, do they just show they up? They just or? show up. <laughs> they just show up. And That's it is in the same room as uh, the Minister's Wives Luncheon on Tuesday. Most of the women's events every year now at the convention are held in the same area. So women can just know, hey, that's the area. Check the pastor's uh, conference program and we'll have posters up as well, giving them direction. Birmingham's a smaller convention center. It will be much easier to find. <laughs> mm. Would you ever think, you know, over the years that we were going to have like a whole women's club, you know, like it's gotten so big and so exciting um, just to kind of see how the women in our convention and in our tribe are really starting to connect and come together. And like, we've got, we've got whole sections on the program now for our annual meeting. It's so exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Well, to close this out, what would be your nugget of truth for all of our listeners, no matter if there's a pastor's wife or if they're leading a nonprofit, um, leading a small group, what would your charge be to them to encourage them to keep going and to continue to stay faithful in their walk stay in the word just Mm. make sure you guard your appointment with the lord it's your most important appointment of your day and i encourage you to read through the bible systematically i read through the bible annually and it only takes about 15 minutes a day to read through the bible in a year we have 96 15 minute segments in every day so give god 196 of your day in his word and at least another 15 minute segment in prayer and you will see him do exceeding abundantly beyond all that you begin to ask or imagine just fix your eyes on jesus he really is the author and perfecter of our faith and Mm. he's faithful he is faithful. Well, Don, I have enjoyed this so much. Um, there is just so many good practical things. And um, the five-second rule, I've already got that in my head. <laughs> Um, And then just being intentional with our time. I am going to make sure that I put in the show notes both how to connect with you on Twitter and then as well as the Arise to Read um, website and information so that if you have just kind of listened in and maybe you're an educator or you've just got a big heart for your community and your city, I really want to encourage you to look them up and see how you might be able to. There's a Get Involved tab that you can uh, click on and then there's like they have it all laid out for you. It is so easy. Um, So I really want to encourage you and pass it on maybe to a church staff member or volunteer. Uh, But I think that 
the women listening to this podcast and the women that have influence in their cities and in, in their communities all across the United States and the planet, I have a feeling that we can give an hour, give a little bit of our time to be able to be the light and love of Jesus to our cities yeah. and communities. So thank you again, Donna. I appreciate you, you so much. And we hope to chat with you soon. Wonderful. You have been listening to At The Table, the podcast for the SBC Women's Leadership Network. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on iTunes and share this with your friends and other women in the SBC. They'd also love to connect online with you at sbcwomen.net for more resources and for you to join the conversation with women all across the globe who are serving in kingdom mission. Thanks for listening.